Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNET Talks Press. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. I am with Elizabeth Dillon. She created Revolutionary HR LLC as she began her professional speaking journey. She wanted to be the HR professional who would put the human back in human resources. She shares her passion for people by giving them a voice through her presentations. Beth is a certified HR professional, a member of SHRM. She's also a member of Michiana SHRM. Tuesday Night Toastmasters, and she's a Navy wife. Elizabeth is a contributing author in two of my books uh, published by BMEC Talks Press. One is called Own the Microphone, How 50 of the World's Best Professional Speakers Launch Their Careers and How You Can Too. She's also a contributing contributing author to another of my compilations, Redesign Your 9 to 5 Advice and Strategies from 50 of the World's Most Ambitious Business Owners and Entrepreneurs. You're getting both of them all rolled into one. She's both a speaker and a business owner. We're focusing on the speaking side of things today. Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bridget. I'm so excited to be here. And I figured I'd plug the books right in the beginning so that way we can uh, talk about other exciting things and maybe hit on the book as well. Yet another reason I love you. (laughs) (laughs) It's the business in me. (laughs) Did you always know that you would grow up and be on stages and be this professional speaking powerhouse? Was that your thing as a kid, five years old, walking around, holding spoons and hairbrushes, pretending they were microphones? No, not in a million years. And the irony of this is is I had a solo from Wicked in show choir in high school, and they had me come out of this, like, giant musical stage projector production that they had for this musical they were doing and then they were blasting me with fog machines and I I was so like this is not how we practice this so I came out I missed a few words but then I nailed the rest of the presentation after that I was a little horrified of public speaking and singing and then I get to college and they're like you're gonna work with a bunch of people and give a presentation and I'm like okay no problem we've got this group together we get up on stage I have stage fright And I literally couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything. And the professor afterwards had to make an announcement about how natural that was. And it happens to everyone. So being here today, totally not where I thought I would be. (laughs) Okay. So you, you have to fill in the gaps for us. How did you get from, (laughs) from that to (laughs) this? I mean, it's obvious you, maybe you weren't always a great speaker. So how did you get? From A to Z, where you are now being Z, and then what recommendations do you have for those listeners out there who can totally, totally relate to what you shared? Absolutely. So the first time I realized I was a good speaker came from my sister's wedding. I was the maid of honor giving my speech. And afterwards, my dad, who's very, very tough, was like, you're pretty good at that. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks, Dad. (laughs) So that was good. But I talk about it and own the microphone. Essentially, I graduated college and went through that car accident, and then I joined the local HR organization, and they asked if someone would give a presentation on millennials. 
And I was like, I would. And they were like, that makes sense. A millennial should be talking about millennials instead of Gen X and, and the boomers. Let's have a millennial talking about it. So from that wedding and then that first time hitting the stage with Michiana Sherm, I knew that was where my gift of gab was going to lead me. <laughs> it was just a oh, powerful experience and everyone was engaged and it just really ignited this like fire in me to share my passion and wisdom for people in HR. So it was really the topic that lit your, your fire or that lit your flame or wait, if it's already a flame and already a fire, I guess it's already lit, but whatever. <laughs> so it was really speaking on something that you were passionate about that made sense for you, something on which you were an expert. Is, mm-hmm. is that a good starting point for people? Yeah. Yes, I would definitely say it is not like being in college or high school or at work and having to give a presentation with people that you might not necessarily generally choose to work with on a topic that you wouldn't have chosen as your favorite. When you are a presenter and you have a a topic that you love, it really starts to resonate with everyone. So I give two presentations right now. One is called Millennial Misconceptions, and the other one is called Let's Negotiate. And essentially... I came up with that presentation because Michiana Sherman wanted me to share about millennials. And then Terry Bush at Krugelotten, he's an HR director. He is the best. He was like, we just basically uh, surveyed all the millennials in our organization. And we wanted to see what did they want. So they got with Convergence Coaching, a third-party consulting agency, and they created the uh, list of professional motivators. And it was everything that would apply to any professional, not just millennials, but they used it for millennials. And then they asked the millennials, once they surveyed them, what do you want? They asked them, how well do you implement it with us, like here? So the millennials had to say, well, does Krugelotten offer one through five the best benefits? You know, do, do they reach the benefits and comp that I want? And so they had to be ranked. So it was like transparent feedback on how well they're doing. It was phenomenal. And then being able to share my passion and my energy made the data way less boring. And people were actually listening. And it went so well, I created another presentation called Let's Negotiate, where I took those professional motivators. And then I surveyed the organizations in our area. And I asked what they were offering as their their attractor of top talent to help them retain it. So then I basically give everyone insights. If you're not basically paying at least average for the compensation benefits, basically total rewards package, you're going to need to step up at the table with a few other things because people right now, they have loyalty for the companies, but it's not going to come above me and my family, my children, our futures. So I'm going to choose the company who's going to offer the best of everything. So even if it's not best benefits, if you say that I've got a great flex schedule to where I can take my kids to school and pick them up and do work nights and weekends, I'm going for that job. So it's not all about pay, but what are you offering and how are you staying competitive in the industry? So it's been doing so well that I'm getting feedback that people have created business cases for the C-suite and they have approved it. They're now implementing these changes and it went so well that they're now going to continue implementing these changes each year. So it's it's really incredible that I have a, a voice to share with people. And everybody has a voice to share. They just don't realize it sometimes or they 
feel like, I, I don't know, that they, who are they to share their voices? Yes, you are someone to share your voice. Now, based on your success, Beth, you have to have all kinds of tools and strategies in your arsenal. What are some of your go-tos or your, your resources that are just part of your everyday preparation every time you prepare for a speech or presentation they are staples that you uh reference before you you dive into your presentation i i reference any books that i have uh from school i kept all of them it was an expensive degree and expensive to buy those books so i keep them for excellent resources i like to talk to employees and hr professionals in the area I want to hear what their struggles are, what their ideas are, and I try to pull and implement that all together because when people are coming to these things, they want answers. They want to be able to implement changes, but maybe they don't have the tools and skills to go about it. And then my favorite part, I've mentioned this a few times with you, is that I have a really great IU alumni network. I went to school with some of the smartest um, uh <laughs> The smartest and uh, stickler accountants that we know, <laughs> they're the 4.0 kids who are the attention to detail. So I've got this great group of friends. I've got Eric and Casey and Ty and TJ and Jen and Mike. And these friends come together and they watch my presentations. Wow. And after my last presentation, Jen was like, your pictures are not completely centered. Let me adjust those. And she was fixing them. And then Eric is kind of like sarcastic and funny. So he was like kind of laughing at my jokes. I'm like, okay, if he's hard to get to laugh and he's laughing, they're good. And, <laughs> and Ty and Casey, they're so sweet and they're supportive. So it's really great to have this great group of people who are very, very smart, very analytical. They're different than me. So they're going to find the details because I'm more of the 30,000 foot view. I'm more of the whole picture kind of gal. Uh, and it's great that they bring other things to the table. And then just uh, a segue, Mike is a comedian nature person and he is one of my favorites, but I think that answers another question. I'm not sure if you want to talk about it yet or not. <laughs> yes. Let's go on and talk about it because you were saying how Eric laughs at your jokes and yeah. I want to talk about, is it okay to have jokes in your presentation? I guess that kind of answers the question, the fact that you have them in your presentation. But I, I, I want us to talk about how do you incorporate them into your presentation effectively? Because I don't think every presentation deserves a joke, and not everybody is in a position to give jokes in presentations. So I how do you that. do it? So I can tell you that my presentations need jokes only because when 30 minutes is spent on exciting data that everyone may or may not love, you need jokes to help them like get through it. <laughs> so it's funny because the data that Krugelotten did, it's, it's a, a summary of their millennial data, but then they break it down by age, by gender. And it's so cool to see the differences. And yet what I draw parallels to in the Let's Negotiate presentation is I pull the data from that and I survey all of the professionals at each presentation and then I see how close and how different they are. But still, even though I'm as excited about it, other people may not. So after giving my presentation a couple of times, some of the board members were like, 
we want to laugh a little more. Like Cy Wakeman and Alex Dorr, they are phenomenal people and speakers. And Alex came and spoke with me as a keynote for one of the Michigan Sherman uh, summits. And they both speak on behalf of reality-based management. And so they have these really great uh, psychology backgrounds that really help with HR. And, and Alex was like, okay, so just so you know, you really should pull more personal stories and kind of add it. People want to connect. And then other people from the audience are like, we kind of want to laugh. And I'm like, okay, how do you juggle all of the feedback? Well, you know, I can put in a personal story and I can add some jokes, but they're still going to see the data. It's still going to resonate. So I think it's kind of a balance of what you said. Is it the right presentation? Is it the right topic? Well, when you know that your topic might get a little maybe uh, difficult to keep their attention, add something in. So as I go to give this presentation for my IU friends, <laughs> I told them after like 30 minutes, I was like, oh, if you guys are liking this, we have 30 more minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> and they laughed and I was like, no, I'm kidding. We're moving on now. <laughs> <laughs> so it just kind of breaks it up like, hey, just a heads up, we are not continuing with this. We're going to change gears now. <laughs> so it kind of informs the audience, oh man, okay, the data's done now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But it makes me think about how important it is to make sure that you do break up the monotony. And it helps in ensuring that your audience is walking away feeling like they benefited from your presentation. Because there's nothing like listening to just this one note, just driving. I mean, think about taking a road trip. And, and imagine if the whole, the whole road trip <laughs> is just the exact same thing. <laughs> the entire time. I mean, give me a tumbleweed, uh, <laughs> some strange landmark. Give me something, right? And so yeah. the jokes, the interaction, the engagement are the tumbleweeds and the landmarks on my road trips to <laughs> wherever I'm headed. Yes, yes. And it's a lot like you. Uh, I, the first time I saw you, you had had... Um, inserted uh, a cooking question. You were asking about the cooking shows and you were telling us how to change your presentations. So you're like, they don't wait till the end to tell you where we're going. They tell you in the beginning, don't make them wait for what they want. And I was like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. So I changed my presentation because of you. So I moved the data to the front because that's what I was advertising. I was like, all right, organizations, you're going to want to see this. Look what they did. You wonder why there's turnover in your organization because you don't know what people want. Let me show you. But I made them wait 30 minutes to get to it. And then when you finish your presentation with data, people are like, all right, is it time to go? And after hearing yours, I changed it, and it's so much better now. Oh, oh that's what I was going to ask you. Did, <laughs> did you see a difference in the audience receptiveness? To uh, that's fantastic. And this makes me think about something else you want to do in your presentations. If you can, if your personality and your content allow for it, have an element of surprise because I, I, I think about, I was asking everyone in a presentation skills presentation, do they ever watch cooking shows? And I'm quite sure the majority of the audience said, what does that have to do with what we're doing here now? 
right? And I had this picture of somebody chopping veggies. And so I started talking about how you see those cookie shows, usually they start with a finished dish. And they do that on purpose because they want you thinking, oh, my goodness, I I am going to have that on my dinner table tonight. You want to future pace them. That's what those cooking shows are doing. The same thing goes for your presentations. You want to start with the end in mind. So you have everybody licking their lips thinking, oh, wow. I can't wait to try that new idea. I can't wait to hear what else she has to present so that I can better understand the data in my own department so I can improve customer loyalty, uh, team productivity, whatever the case may be. But immediately give them something useful at the beginning. Future pace them so they can see that this is going to be well worth their while. Oh, you got me all excited. You got me (laughs) presentation mode, Beth. It's great though. That's what, that's what I think resonated so much with me is that you were so passionate and engaged and that's how I am. And I think that's what makes me stand out and it makes you stand out is that we're not doing it because we have to, we do it because we want to and we do it because we want to share. We want people to all be able to have an A game that they can bring and step up. We're trying to, I think, help others as we progress in our careers. So it's just a phenomenal kind of way for us to to light the way for others. Yeah, you just get fired up. And and everybody out there, I mean, think about what you get fired up about. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't have anything to present on. I don't have a signature talk. I, I don't have some some uh, catalog of presentation ideas. No, but think about what fires you up, what has you with your arms flailing and eyes all wide and, and just passionate. And then that is that that's going to be the area in which you want to speak. Now, no matter what you speak on, Beth, there's a role that attire plays in speaking. What role is that? Honestly, dressing up is a huge thing for me. As someone who has been an audience attendee, I prefer to see someone dressed up. I think it makes them look more professional. I engage more because I respect them. And I even feel it as a speaker on the other side of things. When I throw on a blazer and get up there with my glasses on and my, you know, great outfits. I feel good. And when you feel good, you're confident. And I think it makes you look professional. So it really brings it together. And I've had a few speakers I've seen, you know, in the last uh, year or so, they came in casual. And honestly, it, it kind of turned me off a little. And I was just thinking like, Oh, I, I paid like $30 to come and be here. It was a luncheon. I was hoping you'd put a little bit more effort into your appearance. And And I think that would help make you more confident if you would have, because I've noticed if you don't put that effort in, then you don't seem as confident when you're speaking. I I cannot stress it enough. What you have on can dictate your energy. It can dictate your confidence level, and it can determine how your audience perceives you, fairly or unfairly. Now, when you get to a point in your career where you can show up in – whatever, then more power to you. But until then, uh, the audience is, uh, as one of my guests said before, the audience, let me see, sees you before it hears you. So there you have it. What do you do to keep your speaking skills sharpened and polished? How do you stay on top of your speaking game, Beth? 
Oh, man. So this is a good plug for Michigan Sherm and Toastmasters. What I've been doing to stay on my game is I recently joined Toastmaster. I have attended a few times in a few different clubs, actually, in the in the northern Indiana and even central Indiana. And I got so busy before COVID hit that I hadn't really been able to dedicate and choose which one I wanted to join. But now that I haven't had a presentation since February, I have been cleaning as an active duty wife and rearranging and dealing with so many other things. I was missing people. I was missing speaking. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, I've got to join Toastmasters now. So Toastmasters is uh, in South Bend, and it's called Tuesday Night Toastmasters, which you talked about in the intro. I just joined, and I gave my introduction speech last week. And it was great to get back in the game. But it was funny because when I gave my presentation and it ended, the evaluator for my speech <laughs> said, I think I can say this on behalf of all of the Toastmasters, that that is not the usual introduction speech. I wanted you to keep going. I wanted to hear more. I was so enthralled with it. (laughs) So I was so excited because everyone kind of nodded in agreement. And I just shared about my struggles, even, even farther than the books, and kind of just said, like, I am really proud of where I'm standing today and I'm proud of what I've overcome to get here and you wouldn't believe what it took to get here but I am here I am the best version that I've ever been of myself I'm still learning still growing and I just am excited to take you on the way but I did talk about the books and they said they couldn't wait to hear more presentations where I could talk about them (laughs) so awesome yeah that that is so awesome that is so awesome so everybody find organizations where you can make presentations as often as possible and and get that feedback on what's working and what's not working you constantly have to practice you don't want to just wait until you're giving a formal presentation when you practice your speaking skills you want to constantly sharpen them just keep them sharpened on a regular basis Uh, a chef doesn't wait until he or she is hired for some big catering event before he or she tests out recipes or sharpens his or her knives right they're constantly working on it you can tell i like to eat i'm always making some kind of food reference (laughs) (laughs) so last question for well not last question but what are my last questions for you What's one thing about you that would surprise the audiences before the uh, would surprise audiences that you've spoken to? I think people would be surprised to know that I have ADHD and anxiety. And I shared that with the Toastmasters. And when I'm on stage, I'm able to be creative, but you might be able to spot the ADHD vibes with those creative vibes. When I'm sharing my passion, but people rarely see or understand my anxiety. My brain works so fast that I talk fast, and then I feel unique and sometimes even misunderstood because of the flow of creative ideas that I have. And sometimes I have to explain them a few times because people may not see my vision clearly. And then once they have time to digest it and and see where it's going, then they implement it, and it actually ends up going really well. So with My anxiety right before I go on stage, it gets a little nerve wracking. But once I'm on, I'm on. It's game on, lights are on, and I'm in it. So there's a little bit of anxiety that happens in those areas. But once I'm in the zone, there's so much passion that even one of my my HR followers gave me a quote that I want to share with you because I have it on my website. It's one of my favorites. And his name is uh, Don Hap. And he said, 
Anyone who has seen Elizabeth speak will not be surprised by all of the praise she is receiving. It's one thing to know your stuff when presenting, but it's another thing entirely to, excuse me, to passionately impart knowledge to so many. And it's Elizabeth's passion that resonates so strongly with most, myself included. And oh, it's real. With a few notable Hollywood exceptions, nobody is that good of an actor. Wow. That's wow. Oh, you need to, okay, you have that on your website. You need I to do. let me see. Put it on LinkedIn, put it on Facebook, get a bumper sticker, put it on a t shirt and a coffee mug. Hey, a bumper sticker and coffee mug? I didn't even think about that. You're on it. Thanks. Wow. Wow. That uh, you know, testimonies are just priceless. They're absolutely priceless. And listeners, whenever you have someone who says something fantastic about your speaking, OMG, thank them, number one. Number two, let everybody else know, because nobody knows how great you are unless you let them know, unless you tell them how great others have said you are. Nobody will know your talent and your passion and the abilities and and talents that, and I already use talents, but they will not know what you can bring to the microphone unless you put it out there. What else, as we wrap up do, do the listeners need to know Beth about how to own the microphone honestly I've spent the last two years being sober I gave up alcohol uh, in honor of my grandmother she was an alcoholic and she was sober for a very long time and I gave up alcohol on her her anniversary date I wanted to kind of bond with her and as I stopped going out with my friends and staying out late and spending money, I started coming home and getting in bed early. I started waking up early and realizing I love mornings. I love coffee. I, I love that I'm being more responsible and I'm growing up and I'm changing. And I have found such a healthy, wonderful path in that way. And I just think that as I've done that and overcoming my anxiety as well, you really do have to find who you are. And then when you find who you are, you find your voice. And when you find your voice, you confidently stick up for others and for yourself. And it has been so liberating to have that voice. And I think that's why I love public speaking so much is because I am younger. I am uh, 33. I've only been married for five years. So it's not like I'm the the oldest married couple and I'm not also the oldest professional. I don't have as much experience. And I think at times people can negate you if they hear you're millennial or you don't have 20 years of experience. So having this voice and being able to share my story and my path, people are listening. And because I have the platform to share my voice in the presentations, they're listening so much. The C-suite is approving new plan changes in the organization. That's strategic planning changes have been implemented from this 33-year-old female entrepreneur and speaker and author. Like, that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. <laughs> that, that, oh. I'm so excited. 
ever so slightly, ever so slightly are you excited. My hat goes off to you, uh, Beth. You have just uh, done so much and you've used your voice to be a powerhouse to inspire so many and to impact the lives around you and your community. And it's a ripple in the pond. You'll That one presentation is that one pebble that you're throwing out there and you are just having your message reverberate and resound and make a difference. So kudos to you and thank you for joining me for this conversation. Thank you, Bridget. It's been a pleasure and I appreciate you so much that you have opened your your heart and your uh, basically your resources to allow me to be a part of something greater than myself to be able to share with others. So thank you for you and your team. You guys have been phenomenal. I am so very grateful. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. All my pleasure. I absolutely love what I do. And I absolutely love my listeners for tuning in and listening to this episode of Own the Microphone. I will catch you next time.